Good morning, everyone. Good out of Shabbos. We continue. We left off. Hashem's help. Rosh Hashanah, the first chapter, page 6a. So we learned yesterday, it says in the Braise, it says, that you have a sin. If a person delays his sacrifice, he's late. So you violate a sin, but the sacrifice is not disqualified. The mother says, you learn it from here, we learn it from another Pasek. It says that he compares the tithing, the pchur, the firstborn, sanctifying the firstborn to the tithing. It's just like tithing, even though if you delay it for a year, you still, it's still a good tithing. The tithing is still valid. So to a pchur, even though you, have to, you should offer the sacrifice the first year, in its first year, but nevertheless, the sacrifice has not become disqualified. So why do you need another pasuk to teach me the same idea? That if you're late, the sacrifice is not the relevant. Your mother says, yeah, because I, I do need another pasuk. I wouldn't, couldn't learn from Bechor. Bechor, it's not, it's automatically holy. I'm not trying to please Hashem. So therefore, even after the year, it's not, not disqualified. But all the other sacrifices which I'm trying to please Hashem, whether it's a sin offering or a guilt offering or even a burnt offering, it's also an atonement. Shlomo, trying to give a thanksgiving to Hashem and then you're going against Hashem's will Hashem says don't be late you violated, you're late and you're going against Hashem's will and you're offering us a sacrifice I would think a sacrifice becomes invalid I need a pastor to tell me no nothing, the, the, the animal has nothing to do with it the sacrifice is still a sacrifice you violated the sin but not the, not the animal you might add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does not become disqualified. So now we have Vakati, but still in all, we continue in six A. Like the Hillary Mother Vakati, you might ask me to Benazi Nafka. I still learn that from a different place. Italian learn the Braise Benazi. Benazi says, it says in the Pasik, it says in the Pasik, Oisa in Leviticus. That if you eat, that if you eat in the raw, if you eat this uh, sacrifice on the third day, Hashem will, Hashem will not accept it. Yeah. So it says, Why does it say, It says, Whoever offers this sacrifice, because it says you're not allowed to be late there's a deadline I would think that also someone who's late the sacrifice is no longer acceptable only in this case he's excluding someone who has pigle who has the wrong thought and he thinks when he has sacrifices he has a mind he's going to eat it on the third day, then the sacrifice will come disqualified. Only this becomes disqualified. And someone who's late, the sacrifice does not become disqualified. So why do I need the Pasuk of the Bechachet? In this Pasuk, when it says, don't be late, what do you mean Bechachet in you? What's it coming to teach me? But it says, Ella, you're right. Rather, Bechachet doesn't come to teach me that you are late and you are viol- you're in violation, but the animal is not disqualified. That we already know. We already know from, from the from the Pasuk of Benazai taught. So I need the Bechachet to teach me. You have a sin, not your wife. I would think, Why does a person's wife die young, younger than it would die early? And her husband, not because she wants to, 
but because Ellen came back and ran a moment. The Ainla. It's because of the sin a person stole from others and they ask him to pay back and he, and he doesn't have money to pay back. So therefore, you, so Hashem takes out his wrath on your wife. In other words, he's using, he's, he's, his wife is a partner in the crime. When they come to demand the money, he says, uh, my wife owns everything. I don't, I don't own anything. I have no money to give. And she also says, she also says, like it's a partnership. It's a partnership in crime. That's how... What? That's how Rashi learns. It's a proof. It says in the Pasuk. It says in the Mishli in Proverbism, If you steal, why are you stealing? If, you're gonna, if you don't have what to pay back, if you can't pay back, you're stealing and you can't pay back, you don't have the means to pay back, you're going to cause, Hashem is going to take your wife before her time. She's going to die prematurely because you stole and you didn't pay back. So, I would think also that for the sin of being late, also, you made an oath, you made a promise to Hashem, and you passed the deadline, you violated the prohibition, so maybe in that, in that, for that sin, also, your wife should die. That's what he says, Hashem is not going to take your wife, it's, it's your sin, but your wife, your wife has nothing to do with it. According to Ben Azay, according to Ben Azay, who holds that we learn, we learn that the, the sacrifice is not disqualified. We learn it from a different pasuk. Ben Azay will tell you that our mission, the Braisa, he's not changing the Braisa. The Braisa doesn't hold the Ben Azay. When the Braisa holds that we learn it from this pasuk. But according to Ben Azay, that we learn this halacha, this halacha that the, the sacrifice is not disqualified from the pasuk about pigul oisay. So then this pasuk will say, comes to teach me that Hashem will only, only uh, hold you liable and, and, and not your wife. I, but Taisus learns when he says that you, Hashem takes it out on your wife, he's talking about if, if you made a donation, not theft. Rashi says he's talking about theft. Rashi says, no, Taisus is talking about he made a donation, he made a promise. He's going to give money to the temple. He's going to give money to tzedakah. And he doesn't. Hashem says, you make a promise and you don't keep it, your wife will lose out. So, so why do you need a pasuk? So why does he need a separate pasuk? If you made an oath to bring a sacrifice and you were late, that if you're late, you would think that your wife should, should also, be, also be punished. He says, no, your wife isn't punished. Why is the difference? There's also an oath. You said that if... if if you take an oath and you don't fulfill it, your wife suffers the consequence. So why is this case any different? You made an oath to bring a sacrifice. And Hashem says, don't be late, and you were late. Why, why are you excluding the wife? Why doesn't she suffer the consequences? So the difference is, this is simple. There, you're talking about you make an oath and you never paid it. Here, you made an oath to bring a sacrifice. You are paying it. You are bringing the sacrifice. The only thing is, you're bringing it late. So that the Pasuk says, since you're keeping your oath, you just didn't bring it on time, you're late. So for that, 
there's no consequences for your wife. But if you make an oath and you never bring it, then that is consequences. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the animal's still kosher. Yeah, yeah, that, that we already said. Yeah. Tell the rabbi and the rabbis learn the mitzvah of sechah tishmuz mitzvah of sechah say. It says in the Torah that a person should keep his, his word. It says in Deuteronomy and Kiseitze that a person has to keep his word. So Mrs. Yeah, Tishma, you should watch. And Mrs. Lysa it's also a prohibition. Asisa means that the Bezdin has a responsibility to force you to keep your promise. Like you, like you, you take an oath, a nether. That any oath that you take, a nether. And we learned the nether and the dove is the same. If you take an oath, you bring a sacrifice, so you have to keep it. You have to fulfill it. Lashem Malikecha refers to Lechatois Vashamis, Eilis Vashlamim. It refers to all the sin offerings, the guilt offerings, all the offerings. By all the offerings, it says Hashem Alekecha. The language Hashem Alekecha is referring to all of them. You might explain. And then it says Nedav. Kemashmoy. Nedav. Donation. Right? The difference between an oath and a donation. An oath means I am taking upon myself to bring a sacrifice. A donation is I'm donating this particular animal as a sacrifice. So if anything happens to it, it's not my responsibility anymore. An oath, you are responsible. If anything happens to the animal, you're still responsible to fulfill your pledge. that you said refers to the that you dedicated to this temple treasury, not to the temple, to the altar, to the temple treasury. Till now, we're talking about sacrifices. You made an oath. You made a donation. You, you pled. Made an oath. Guilt offering, sin offering. These are all sacrifices. But then there's also a lesser holiness. Sanctity, the donations that you give to the temple treasury. Beficha is a tzedakah. In general, I'm giving tzedakah. I make a pledge to give tzedakah, charity to the poor, or to the, to the Chabad house. Chabad <laughs> house is not poor. Tell that to my bank account. Amamar, the master said, Mitzvah Mitzvah <laughs> this is a positive commandment. What if he didn't sanctify at least four cases? Lumberly, why do I need a pasuk? It says already a pasuk. It says in, in Deuteronomy in Parshas today that you should bring, you should go there and bring your sacrifices there. So I already have a mitzvah to bring all my sacrifices to the temple. Why do I need a separate mitzvah? I should keep my word. Why do I need a prohibition? There's another pasuk. It says you're not allowed to be late. In the same parsha, don't be late. Why do I need a pasuk to tell me that the the court has a responsibility to force you to keep your pledge? We learned around the beginning of Leviticus. It says that when you make a sacrifice, when you pledge to give a sacrifice, you must bring it. Yakrivaisa means it's not a suggestion. Yakrivaisa, he will, he will bring it. If he doesn't want to, we're going to beat him, beat him at the submission. We're going to force him. 
course they force him. Coercion. Coercion means you beat him. You beat him into submission. Sure. Why? Because it says carbon. It says already yakrivenu. He should bring it. Why is it again yakrivaisi again? A repetition. Yakrivaisi milamit to teach me. So we force him. Yochel, I would think Bal Karchei I would think you force him, but it says according to his will. Okay, so how do you do both? You force him, and it's willing. What? How is that possible? You beat him into submission. You beat him till he says, "I'm doing it willingly." <laughs> You're getting again, right? You beat him, but isn't that like a joke? You're beating him. I, I'm will doing it willingly. You're beating me. I'm not doing it willingly. Obviously, the only reason I'm doing it willingly is you're beating me into submission. So what, what what significance does it have when you say I'm doing it willingly? Maybe that changes his uh, his attitude. And he is doing it willingly. <laughs> no, but yeah. But what's the, how do you know that? He's say he's saying I'm doing it willingly because he he doesn't want to die. I mean that's called willingly. I'm doing it willingly. I would rather offer the sacrifice than die. You're beating me to death. That's not called willingly. That's not willingly. Hmm. You're bringing the sacrifice. I'm not bringing the sacrifice. You're you're forcing me. So it's uh-huh. like uh, I'm not doing. Like you're pulling the trigger. I'm not doing it. You're doing it. Right. What do you mean willingly? The Torah says you have to bring a sacrifice. I mean, you force someone to do something. Technically, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. He, he's just a gun in your hand, and you're pulling the trigger. You're beating me into submission. I don't want to die. So of course I'm doing it, but it's not me. I'm not doing it. You're doing it. So, what, so you're not fulfilling the pasuk. The pasuk says you have to bring your sacrifice. But the answer is that Rambam explains that deep down every Jew wants to do the right thing. Every Jew wants to do the right thing. You delude yourself. You delude yourself and you say, "I want to sin." This is me. This is the real me. This is completely delusional in today's society. The real me. Completely delusional. This is not the real you. It's your delusional self. Your genuine self is good. Wants to do is godly. Wants to do the right thing. So when you beat a Jew into submission, and he may think, "I'm the only reason I'm doing it is because I don't want to die." Really, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. But the truth is that really that's your truth. This is your truth. When you say, I want to do the right thing, that's it. now you're telling the truth. For the first time in your life, you're telling the truth. When you say, I want to sin, then you're lying. Then you're a faker, a con artist, a liar, completely delusional, totally out of touch, totally out for lunch. But when you say, I want to do a mitzvah, I want to do the right thing, now for the first time, it's the first true word you said in your life. This is eminence. This is real. This is your offering. So why do okay? So so why do I need two psukim? Why do I need two psukim? You already have everything you learned from this pasuk, the positive mitzvah, the prohibition, and the fact that Bezin has to force him to keep his promise. We already learned that earlier. We we, we know that earlier. So you might answer. I need both psukim. One pasuk is if he said he took. I made a pledge. But he never separated the, the sacrifice, never separated the animal. He never started fulfilling his pledge. Then there's already made a pledge, and he designated the animal. He already took steps, but he's not offering it as a sacrifice. So I need one Pasik to teach me that there's a commandment to keep your word, keep what's keeping my word. 
Start doing something. You made a pledge, put aside the money. Put aside the animal. Then I need another puzzle to tell me that's not enough. Okay, you took the first step, but you got to get the job done. Deliver the money, deliver the sacrifice, offer the sacrifice. So I, and I wouldn't know one from the other. Without the other Pasuk, I wouldn't know one from the other. Why? He explains. I need both If he will let me know, if he would only let me know if he made a pledge, but he never even designated the animal. So then I would say you force him. He didn't fulfill anything. But if he already separated the animal, he didn't offer it. I would say, he goes to the money. Whoever the animal is, it belongs to Hashem now. Now it's Hashem's property. He designated the animal. He sanctified the animal. He sanctified the sacrifice. Now it belongs to Hashem. Whether he brings it or not, it's 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 Hashem's business. It's no longer his responsibility. So he already fulfilled his obligation. So therefore, I need a second pasuk to teach me that even in this case, he violates the positive commandment, he violates the prohibition, and the Bezim will force him until he actually brings this sacrifice. Even if the pasuk would teach me one case, the case if he separated and he, he didn't offer it, and then there's a positive commandment, there's a prohibition, we force him. So I would say, because he's keeping something that belongs to Hashem. You already designated the sacrifice, it belongs to Hashem. Get it out of your house. So you have a positive commandment, the prohibition, and Bezin will force you to make sure that you actually offer it. But if he made a pledge and he didn't, he didn't even separate, he didn't do anything. Okay, he, spoke, he speaks, many people speak, uh, most people speak and uh, nothing comes of it. So, uh, why? There's no special mitzvah prohibition and Bezin is not going to get involved and it's not forcing him to keep his word. So what else is news? <laughs> you know, people are naturally, natural born politicians. They say and they, and, they, and they don't fulfill, they don't mean a word they say. Okay, so what else is news? We don't, have, we don't have to get involved. So, I need a positive No, since he made a pledge to Hashem, Therefore, we're going to get involved. You have a positive commandment, you have a prohibition, and Bezin will get involved to force you to separate the animal and to fulfill your pledge. But as... Could you say... That we're talking about a case where he's pledged, but he didn't designate the animal? You said in the Dabba. You said the Pasuk is coming to teach me that you have a positive mitzvah. It says in the Pasuk Nadava. It says clearly in the Pasuk Nadava. And now, what's the definition of a Nadava? What's the difference between a Nadar, an oath, and a, a, a donation, a pledge? Nadar, Nadar means I take a pledge that I am going to bring a sacrifice. So, no matter what, you have to fulfill your pledge. The animal dies, and you still didn't fulfill your pledge. What's considered a donation? This animal, I'm designated to Hashem. If anything happens to the animal, I, I, I'm not responsible. My promise was, this animal is going to be offered as a sacrifice. Only this animal, no other animal. What's the practical implication? The difference in that? If it dies, or the animal dies, or it's stolen, you're responsible. 
you still have to fulfill your pledge. Your pledge, you're going to bring a sacrifice. It's not your fault. The animal died, but who cares? It has nothing to do with this animal. You didn't pledge this animal. You pledged you are going to bring an animal, a sacrifice. So you have to fulfill your obligation. Nedava, in the case of a, of a donation, if anything happens to this animal, I only promised this animal. If anything happened to it, it's not my responsibility. It's not my fault. It died or was stolen. I just said, fine, there's nothing I can do. I'm not responsible. So Nadova by definition means the animal is here. How could you tell me that one Pasik is referring to a case where he pledged but he never designated it? If he never, never designated it, it's not a Nadova. Nadova by definition means I'm designating this animal to offer as a sacrifice. So why do I need two Psukim? Why do I need two Psukim then? One Pasik is enough. Why do I need two Psukim? Teach me it's a positive commandment, a prohibition, and Bezin forces him. The Pasik says clearly. So you already designated it. By the Dava, I don't need two psukim. Because in the Dava, automatically, there's only one scenario. He said, I need to psuk him because I need both scenarios. Where he pledged, he never even designated it, or he designated it, and he didn't offer it. In the Dove, there's only one scenario. So why do I need to psuk him? No, he did, but the, the Nadava by definition means he set something aside. That's the definition of the word Nadava. So there's only one scenario. He set something aside. You don't have two scenarios. So why do I need to psuk him? So you can answers. And the and the pasuk the Balta Acher also we learn the Dava. The, the pasuk Balta Acher also we learn the Dava because they Shabbat. So why do we need two psukim to teach me Balta Acher by the Dava? I need the pasuk. Don't be late. And here you're saying is a there's a prohibition. Don't be late. If you're making a Dava, you're not allowed to be late. The Dava by definition is only one scenario. You already separated it. Not only you pledge, you already separated. So why do we need two psukim? So your mother says, so your mother answers, I'll give you a scenario. Okay, going for example, the Omar, he said, I, I take upon myself to bring a burnt offering, and the condition, yes, he takes a personal pledge. And a personal pledge is, 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 is a nether, is an oath, that you are responsible to bring a sacrifice, no matter what. But he, he conditions his pledge. He says, I take upon myself a pledge, I'm going to bring a sacrifice, but I'm not responsible. <laughs> so the animal that I'm going to designate, if anything happens to it, if it dies, it drops dead, or it's lost, it's not my problem, I don't have to bring another sacrifice. So this is a scenario where he made a pledge, but he never designated it. If you do have a scenario, even in a Dava, it could be a case where you just made a pledge, you just spoke, but you didn't designate it. Or it could be a case where you not only spoke, you already designated it. That's why I need two psukim, and I wouldn't know one from the other. You said, in your mouth, that's referring to tzedakah. You made a pledge to give tzedakah. I'm a Dava. Rav says, you're obligated to give right away. By a sacrifice, we said you're obligated the first, the first holiday. The first holiday, when you go to the Yerushalayim, then you have to bring all your pledges, all your, all your, your sacrifices. That's the positive commandment. But tzedakah, you have to give right away. 
my time, why the Kaiman need? Because the poor people need it right. The need is right now. They need it yesterday. So that you have to give it right away. Obviously, why, why else would I think? I think you have to you wait a month or two or three or four or five or six. Obviously, you made a pledge for tzedakah. You have to deliver immediately. So he says, "Mao, the time uh, matches the need." Mao, the I would think, give them the kabbalah since it says tzedakah in the same pasuk of the sacrifices. Adavla gimurah golim kabbalah. You should have like a deadline: three, three holidays. The pay gives you three holidays to pay up your pledge. Mashmalan, so we said that's where he comes to teach us. Or Hashem, who the Talinach wanted to go there, the pasuk ties it in, and it depends on the holidays. Because you're going up to Yerushalayim, he says you're going up to Yerushalayim. Make sure, make sure to bring your sacrifices with you. Avalacha here, loy. That's he's coming to teach me. Here is different because here the need is right here now, immediate. So therefore the obligation, when Taylor says you must keep your obligation, means you have to fulfill your obligation immediately. Immediately write the check. Give the money. Rabbi says another thing. All the sacrifices that you pledge, once it passes one holiday, you already violate the positive commandment. Taylor says you have to immediately keep your word. You have to immediately bring the sacrifice. Immediately means the first, the first holiday. Even though, even though the prohibition, you're not allowed to be late, only kicks in after three holidays, even according to the opinion, that holds only kicks in, the rabbis and rabbis shim it only kicks in after three holidays, with the opinion that says two holidays, the opinion that says sukkahs, Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Shimon argues with this problem. But nevertheless, the old sukkahs, but nevertheless, here it's not so. The positive, the positive mitzvah is different. The positive mitzvah is the first holiday. The Taylor obligates you, bring the sac- you're going to your shalai and bring all your sacrifices with you. And if not, you violate the prohibition. You don't violate, you violate the positive commandment. It's a sin of omission. It's a sin of omission. But if you wait three holidays, then you violate the prohibition. I'll ask you. We learned Nebraiz, hey, that we show Rapha Pais, Avalach Shlomim. Testified on the offshoot of a shlom, a peace offering, that also you have to offer it as a peace offering. I testify, a cow which was designated as a peace offering. We ate, we ate it on Pesa, we offered it. Ah, no, on Pesa, we offered it as a shami simcha, yeah. We also ate its offshoot. We also ate, ate its offshoot also in, in that holiday. Oh, B'chag. No, on, on Sukkot. We offered the offshoot on Sukkot. So the, the mother we offered as, as a sacrifice, as a peace offering, Shamil Simcha on Pesach. Six months later on Sukkot, we offer, we offer it. Right, so we, so, we, so we see that the, we see he testified that the offshoot of a, of a Shlomim itself also has to be offered as a Shlomim, as a peace offering. Okay, he might accept. It makes sense he didn't offer the child on Pesach, the offshoot, Amen, Chusas, Manu. Because you, because you can't, you have to wait seven days, only the eighth day, only the eighth day after its birth, you're allowed to offer the animals a sacrifice. You have to wait seven days, only the eighth day. So therefore, who was born on Pesach, 
you couldn't you couldn't offer the child. How could you wait till Sukkot? You, according to the Abba, you said that the first holiday, the first opportunity, you have a positive commandment to bring the, to bring all your sacrifices. So Shavuos, the moment, and if you don't, you violate this positive mitzvah. So they violated this positive mitzvah and waited all the way to Sukkot. How did they wait and um, violate the positive mitzvah? He answered the name of going For example, we continue on side B. It was sick. So you couldn't. It wasn't possible. You were not allowed to bring it. You were not allowed to bring it. Because it was sick. As it says, you're not allowed to bring a sick animal to Hashem. Would you offer it, even though there's no defect, would you offer this to, to your master? This is a gift that you bring to your master, a sickly animal. Others say, others learned that the owner was sick. So he couldn't go to Yerushalayim. He couldn't go to, the Pasuk says, the first holiday, you're going up to Yerushalayim, bring with you all the sacrifices that you have to bring. But he couldn't go up to Yerushalayim because he was sick. He was exempt. Therefore, they waited until, until Sukkot. Ravashi gives a different answer. Amen. When he said we brought it in the Chag, he was testifying. The Papayas was testifying that we offered the mother as the Shalmei Simcha, the peace offering on Pesach, and we offered this offshoot, this child on the next holiday. He meant Chag is referring to Chag Shavuos. And the other one who doesn't accept this answer, he says, Whenever he says Pesach, he learns after that, and he wants to say Shavuos, he doesn't say Chag. He says Atzeres. Since he says Chag right after Pesach, he's referring to, he's referring to Sukkot. Whenever he says Pesach, Chag Amatzes, then you can also call Shavuos Chag. But when he calls Pesach, Pesach, not Chag HaMatzis, but he calls it Pesach, so he's not going to call it Chag, he's going to call it Atzeres. Another thing. Once you violate three holidays past, and now you're violating the vision, you already violated the positive commandment, the sin of omission. Now you're violating the prohibition of not to be late every day that you don't bring the sacrifice. It's not a one time violation. Okay, till the next holiday. No, every day that goes by, you don't go to your shalai and bring all your sacrifices, you violate the prohibition of don't be late. Mace, I'll ask you a question. We learned in the Brais, whether it's the firstborn animal of a kosher animal that becomes holy and you have to give it to the Koyan to offer as a sacrifice, and any sacred animal that was designated as a sacrifice, keep in Shabbat Shabbat when, when an entire year passes, even if you didn't pass all three holidays, or you passed all three holidays, but the entire year didn't pass, you violate the prohibition of don't be late. So what do we see from here? 
but it can be anything What's your question? Well, what's, what do you see from this Braise that Rava was wrong? The contradicts what Rava said. No, he's asking a good question. Because Mechti, let, let, let's look at this closely. The Tanya is talking about the prohibition. And if you're late, three holidays, you violate the prohibition of Baltach. So listen, he let him say, he's trying to say, when do you violate the prohibition and don't be late? So he's giving us all scenarios, whether three holidays pass, or whether an entire year passed, even though three holidays are not passed yet. He should have also taught us, he's coming to teach us how you violate, all the, all the ways you violate the prohibition about Dacha. So he should have said that every day you violate the prohibition. So since he doesn't mention that, he's a proof that is wrong. How would Rava respond? Rava respond. explaining to us when you violate the prohibition. Period. But how many times you violate? Whether every day or how often you violate? That that's not his discussion. That's not what he's coming to teach. He's coming to teach you when do you violate? He says if an entire year passed, even if three holidays did not pass yet, or three holidays passed, even though the entire year did not pass yet, you violate the prohibition of don't be late. How many times you violate? He's not discussing that. But Rav is right. Every day after the three holidays that you don't bring the sacrifices, it's a new prohibition, a fresh prohibition. Now the Gemara doesn't explain the Braise. It's a very funny Braise. What do you mean? A year passes and no three holidays? How is that possible? Gufa. Let's examine the Braise itself. Makes sense. You can violate three holidays, but a year didn't pass. Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot is all within six months. So you designated the animal a day before Pesach. Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot, you already violated the prohibition. Don't be late. So you only have six months, not a full year. Seven months. But how is it possible? How can you have a whole year pass and you didn't pass all three holidays? <laughs> it's not possible. Oh, if you're going to say it makes sense if you're going to say this like a sidr according to Rabbi Shimon that says that it has to be in order and sequence that you have to violate when do you violate the prohibition of three it's only when it's in order Pesach first Shavuos and then Sukkot and that's why he says sometimes you can have five holidays you have a deadline of five holidays till you violate this prohibition let's say you made the, you made the pledge of the sacrifice you made it after Pesach and, and the Omer so then you have Shavuos Sukkot and then you start counting Pesach, Shavuos and Sukkot so then you can have a year a full entire year without three holidays meaning three holidays in sequence in the proper sequence that's he's coming to teach me that if an entire year passed if an entire year passed, even though you don't have the three holidays in sequence, mm-hmm. says, nevertheless, you violate, according to this Tanya, you violate the prohibition of don't be late. And this, he argues with Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon holds, no, you have to, you can have five holidays and you still don't violate till after the fifth holiday. So obviously it's more than a year. If you made the pledge on Oimer and you have Shavuos and then Sukkot and then Pesach and then Oimer again, then Shavuos, it's a year, a year and a half almost. So, 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 of course, Rav Shimon argues. But this Tana holds partially like Rav Shimon and not entirely. He holds like Rav Shimon that we have to have in order. It has to be in sequence. 
But he says, if it's not in sequence, but in the entire year passed, then you violate the prohibition. Okay, that makes sense. Wait, you know what time I put? I understand the sequence of Pesach, uh, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Lamando is like a Sidra, and according to the rabbis who hold, the less like a Sidra, it doesn't have to be in order, any three holidays. How can you have a scenario where you have a year and you, you didn't pass three holidays? Right. So he explains. A Debbie that says that. So we find it. What do you mean? In, in a leap year. Like this year is a leap year. It's a Smith year, it's a leap year. So what do you mean? The Tanya we learned the Brahis. It says in the Torah. It says in the Torah if someone sells, if you sell your house. And your house is in a walled-in city from the times of Yeshua ben Nun that was walled in, in, in Israel. A walled-in city from the times of Yeshua ben Nun, part of Israel that was conquered. So you have a year to redeem the house. The owner has a year to redeem the house, to get back the house. If he doesn't redeem it a year, in the, in the, uh, in the entire year, then the one who buys it becomes his. And even in Yevil, it doesn't go out jubilee. When you sell a field... In Jubilee, it's restored. It's returned back to the owner. You can only sell it till Jubilee. But when it comes to a house within a walled-in city, the sale is permanent. The trader gives him a year, gives the owner a year, the seller a year to redeem the house, to, to buy it back, to purchase it back. But if not, if he doesn't, then it's permanently transferred. The ownership is permanently transferred. Even, even the Jubilee does not restore the original ownership. Israel was inherited, the land, but the houses that you built, it's not forever. It doesn't belong to you forever. It doesn't go in the family forever. If you sold it, it's done. But the Torah gives you a year to redeem it. This is a special, unique law when it comes to the houses in the Walden cities. Now it says, Shana Tmimah. The Torah says an entire year, a complete year. So we have an argument what the Torah means. Rebbe says, You give him 365 days. Like a, a, like a solar year. A complete year, meaning a real year. If you follow the moon, you don't really have a real year. There's no annual. The moon is a, is a, is a monthly cycle. Just if you take 12 months, 12, 29 and a half days times 12, it comes out to 354, sometimes 353, but usually 354 days. 11 days shorter than a solar year. But a real year is an annual cycle, follows the sun. The sun has an annual cycle, the seasons. So that's why the Titus says, Shanat Mima, you follow, don't follow the Jewish calendar. 12 month calendar, follow 365 days. We give him 365 days to redeem his house. And the rabbis disagree. They say, No, 12 months. It's a Jewish year. Yeah, 354 days. That's it. If he sold him on the 15th day of Nisan, he can redeem it till the 15th day of Nisan. Or whatever. You don't sell on Yom Tov, but whatever. If he sold him on the 14th day of Nisan, then he can only redeem it till the thir- up to the 13th day of Nisan. And the 14th, it's over. The sale becomes final forever. If it's a leap year, we follow the Jewish calendar. If it's a leap year, this year we have 384 days in the year. Not 365, not 354, not 365. We have a leap year, so the year is 13 months. So you have more days. 
According to Debbie, no, according to Debbie, it's always 365. Don't look at the Jewish calendar. We're just following the sun. So therefore, according to Debbie, it makes sense. For example, the right after Pesach, he sanctified the animal. Then there was a leap year. The Chimater Shila Adavasra By the time it came to the second Adar, he already filled the full year before Pesach came. So he only had two holidays. He had the holiday of, of Shavuos, he had the holiday of Sukkot. Before you, you get to the holiday of Pesach, you already have a full year. According to Debbie, a full year is 365 days. So when this Tana says a scenario, that you violate the prohibition of don't be late, either three holidays passed, even though it's only a half a year, or seven months, not a full year, or a scenario where you have a full year but you don't have three holidays, it makes sense. You'd sanctify it right after Pesach, and you only have two holidays, and, it was, and the next year is a leap year, so you only have two holidays, you have the holiday of Shavuos, you have the holiday of Sukkot, and 365 days later, you're in the second other before Pesach. And you violate the prohibition of don't be late, even though you don't have three holidays. You fill the year, according to the rabbis, the rabbis would disagree with the Rebbe. The rabbis would say that we follow the Jewish calendar. So if it becomes a leap year, then that becomes a year. So how can you have a year without having three holidays? No matter what scenario it is, if it's a leap year, so the, the, so the year doesn't end if he, if he designated the animal on the 16th, on, 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 after Pesach, the 25th day of Nisan. When is this year up? The 25th day of Nisan. By then, you already have three holidays anyway. Shavuot, Sukkot, and Pesach. So, you, so you're already violated before the year. How can you have a year without three holidays? So the Gemara answers, like we learned, Rabshmaya learned the Braisa. Atzeres is different than all the other holidays. The holiday of Shavuos is different than all the other holidays in the Torah. All the other holidays in the Torah have a fixed date. The 15th of Nisan, the 15th of Tishrei, the 10th, the 10th of Tishrei. All the holidays have a date. The exception is Shavuos. Shavuos, there's no date. The 50th day of the counting. When is the 50th day? Sometimes it can, be, it can come out in the olden days when there was no fixed calendar. And every month was determined by the Jewish Supreme Court, month by month basis. They couldn't print the Chabad calendar. Because every month was different. You didn't know what's going to be. It's a 29-day month. It all depends on the witnesses and the courts. The court has to decide. So it's possible you can have Shavuos, the 50th day, should be in the 5th of Sivan. If the month of Nisan is a full month and the month of Iyar is a full month. If both, if both months are 30-day months, so the 50th day, if you start counting the day after the second day in Pesach, the 50th day comes out in the 5th day of Sivan. Sometimes you have in the 6th day of Sivan, like today. One month is full, one month is 30 days, one month is 29 days. So therefore, the sixth, the sixth day of Sivan falls out, the 50th day falls out in the sixth day of Sivan. What if both months the court decides is a 29-day month? And there's one, uh, right? So it's a 29-day month, then this, the 50th day comes out to be on the seventh day of Sivan. And he explains, okay, so how is it? He explains, Shnei and Malayim, if both Nisan and Nir are full months, 30 day months, then the 50th day of the Omer comes out on the, on the 5th day of Sivan. 
Shnei chaserim both Nisan and Ir are 29 day months. Then the 50th day of the Omer falls out on the 7th day of Shiva. Echad Malev, Echad Chaser, one month is 30 and one month is 29, like we had that, like an hour fixed calendar today, then Bashish, and it falls out, it always falls out, then it will fall out on the sixth day. For us, it always falls out on the sixth day. So, therefore, so now we have a, a practical scenario. Let's say he sanctified the animal on the sixth of Sivan. In a year when they were both full. So he sanctified the animal the day after Shavuos. Shavuos was the fifth day of Sivan. You get it? Shavuos was the fifth day. That year, the Shavuos was the fifth day of Sivan. The 50th day of the Omer came out on the, fifth, on the fifth day of Sivan because both Nisan and Ir were full months. The next day, the sixth day of Sivan was a weekday. It was after the holiday. And he sanctified his animal. Then... The next year, both months are, are a 29-day month, Nisan and Ir. So Shavuos comes out on the seventh day. So when the year, the year is up, when the year is up, the next year, on the fifth day of Sivan, the hol- you didn't have three holidays yet. You only had Sukkot, Pesach, but it's before Shavuos. So if Shavuos, if next year is one month full, one month there, they're both, they're both 29 days, so Shavuos is here on the 6th day and 7th day, his year is up on the 5th day, the 5th day of... Two days short. Yeah, the 5th day of Sivan, so before the three holidays. That's exactly to say, you already violates the prohibition, don't be late, because a full, it's a full year, a complete year, even though you didn't pass three holidays. <laughs> Very neat, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Braise is a, turns out to be a sixth opinion, a six-lane highway. <laughs> when do you violate the prohibition of Baltach? See, he agrees at three holidays, but he added another caveat. He said another scenario is if you have an entire year, even if you didn't violate three holidays. That's a sixth opinion. We had three holidays. Three holidays has to be in order. We had one holiday, a mayor, two holidays, or a holiday of Sukkot. Now he's saying a sixth opinion. The opinion of this Braise says if an entire year passed, even if, didn't, even if you didn't pass yet three holidays, you already violated Baltach. So the Braise doesn't, the Chachamim will argue with this Braise. Who holds? In other words, maybe he's trying to say that the rabbis, they, don't, they only disagree because practically, according to the rabbis, there's no such scenario. You can't come up with such a scenario. It's impossible to think of a scenario where you can have a year without three holidays. Technically, it's not possible. That's why they, they not they're arguing in, in principle. They're arguing because technically it's not feasible. There's no such thing. Why not? According to the Shmaya, it is possible. Mm-hmm. So he says, which is the Tana that holds that it's not feasible? There's no such scenario. Man Tana the Polygon, the Rabbi Shmaya. He says, Achedemi. Tana, you will in the Brice, Achedemi, Aim, Benat Sedes, Lat Sedes. There's no between, one, between the Shavuos of one year and the Shavuos of another year. Aim, Benat Shoshana. Between the Shoshana of one year, the Shoshana of the next year, only four days apart. So if Shavuos falls out on Shabbos, the next year, it will be 
it'll fall out on Wednesday, four days later. Okay. And the f- next year, four days later. It's always four, four days apart. And the next year, the year following that, the, f- the year following that, Shavuos will be on Sunday. If Shavuos, the previous year is Wednesday, so you have Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, Sunday, the fourth day. Why? Because the mayor holds that all the months of the year are always, invariably, unfailingly. One is a 30-day month and one is a 29-day month. So according to this, according to this, so altogether, so you have six months that are 29 days, 29-day months, six times 29, it's 174. You have six months that are always 30, 30 day months, so that's 180 days. Together, comes out to 354. And if you divide it into weeks, how many weeks are there in 354 days? Uh, there, there are, how many weeks are there? 50 weeks. Five, five times seven, it's 35, 350. So you have an extra four days. So between each year, there's only four days apart. So every year, I can figure, automatically I know. Whatever Rosh Hashanah is, and this year, the next year is four days later. Whenever Pesach, Shavuos is on this year, the next year is, is four days later. Well, the leap year is 383 days, it says. So, and, but if it's a leap year, then there's five days. Why? Because you have an extra, you have an extra day. You have 29 days. A leap year, he says, is a 29-day month. So you have four weeks, 28, and they have an extra day. Because a leap year, the extra month is always a 29-day month, a short month. So you're adding four weeks in a day, so you have an extra day. So therefore, according to the Shita of Achedim, it's fiz- fiz- it's the Shavuos always falls out on, the 50th day of the Omer will always fall out on, on the 6th day of Sivan. You don't have a scenario where Shavuos can fall out on the fifth day of Sivan, on the seventh day of Sivan. Much love. It always fall out on the sixth day of Sivan because one month is full, one month is an invariably a short month, 29 days and 30 days. And this is another year, one month is 30 days. So therefore, the 50th day of Yom will always fall out on the sixth. So you don't have a scenario where you made a, the pledge and you have an entire year and you're ready, you had all three holidays, and you don't have three holidays. So what's the point of all this detail? No, that's what he's explaining. Why, according to the Brais, according to Shmaya, you have a sixth. You have a sixth option. You have an option of where you have a full year, even though you don't have three holidays. According to the rabbis in the Brais, they didn't bring that option because, according to them, it's physically, technically not feasible. Because according to Achedim, there's no such thing. You can't have an entire year pass and only have three and not have three holidays. The scenario that he explained that you have, because Shavuos can fall out on different days, according to the rabbis, it can be. According to Achedim, that scenario is not possible. Shavuos was also fixed, also has a fixed date. Mm-hmm. Just like the holidays have a fixed date, according to Achedim, Shavuos also always has a fixed date. Mm-hmm. If Shavuos has a fixed date, no, but the, fifth, the fixed date of the calendar. So the 50th day always has a fixed date of the calendar, which is... The sixth oh, day of Siva. Right. So if it has a fixed day, then, then, then you don't have a scenario where you can have a year pass and you didn't have three holidays pass. It's not mm. possible. Mm. Okay. 
Kemada asked, Boy, Rabzeda, Rabzeda asked the question. Rabzeda asked, Yerish Maho, what's the law regarding someone who inherits his, his father's sacrifices? The Baltach, does he violate, does the son also violate the prohibition? So he says, the one who makes the oath, he violates the prohibition. Well, I know that I never made the oath. I just inherited my, my father's pledges. If I inherit my father's pledges, maybe I don't have the prohibition. Perhaps that you go there, bring all your all the sacrifices. He has to bring, since he has to bring the oath of his father, he's committed. So therefore, he has to bring it on Yom Tov. And if he doesn't bring it, he violates the prohibition. Mm-hmm. So your mother says, Toshma, I'll bring you a proof. I'll answer your question. It says, there, don't be late, because Hashem is going to demand it from you, me or from you. He says, Pratli Yerish. Hashem is only going to demand it from you, coming to exclude not your, not, not your son, not the, the one who inherits. It's not his obligation. Hashem is demanding it from you. Made the oath. How dear, you're late. You violate the prohibition, but I'm not demanding it of your son. It's not his. It's not his business. So clear, it answers the question that the one who violates the prohibition is only the one who makes the oath. You said come to teach me. I need to teach me that the violation of the prohibition of don't be late also refers to the obligations in the field. To leave over the things we're learning now in the Rambam. Today's Rambam, the things you have to leave over in the field if you forget, if you, the edges of the field, things that drop, the stalks that drop, you have to leave it. So you also have a prohibition of, of don't be late. If you took it, if you happen to take it away, you have to return it to them, and you have three holidays to return it to them. So your mother says, Taylor could have just said, with you. Why did he say Meimah comes to teach me two things? Imah comes to teach me things that are with you, the obligations that are with you in the field. Meimah comes to teach me to exclude the inheritors, exclude your son. Boy, Rabbi asked another question. Ishamai, a woman who, 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 who made an oath to bring a sacrifice. Does she violate Baltacha? Me, I'm Lina Lemchaiba the Torah says you should go up to you should go up to Yerushalayim and bring all your sacrifices. Only someone who's obligated to go up to Yerushalayim, who is obligated to go up to Yerushalayim three times a year, only the male, not the, not the women. They, they don't have that obligation. So since they don't have the obligation to go to Yerushalayim, maybe they don't have the obligation, the prohibition of don't be late of bringing, making sure to bring the sacrifice. Hmm. No, she is obligated. She's included in the simcha. It says you should rejoice, you, your sons, your daughters. So you have to rejoice the women also. They're also part of the simcha. Hmm. Maybe she is obligated to go to participate in the simcha and in the, in the sacrifices of the simcha, of the joy, of the, the peace offerings. Hmm. Since she's obligated in simcha, <laughs> so therefore, therefore, she is obligated, she's also obligated in the prohibition of being, not being late. Did Abaya say this? That a woman is obligated to Simcha? Abaya says that the obligation of Simcha, when the Torah says you have to rejoice your wife, your, your daughters, it's referring to the husband. The husband is obligated to bring joy to his wife. Mm. Buy her clothes, 
She's not obligated. She doesn't have to offer the sacrifice or participate in the sacrifice or eat from the sacrifice. It's the obligation on the husband to buy a wife jewelry and nice clothes. But it says, You're right. Abaya himself holds that a woman is not obligated in simple. But he's saying, according to Rabzeda, who holds that a woman is obligated, so according to you, answer your own question. Yiboilu, one last question. Yiboilu, he asked the question. It says, you should eat it every year. You have to eat it within the first year. When do you count the year? Starting the eighth day. Because the first right, when it's eligible to be sacrificed. First seven days you can't sacrifice. So you count the full year starting when it's eligible to be sacrificed. Or for sacrifice. the eighth day. Well they plead and they're not arguing. If it's a complete sacrifice, if it's a, a, a animal that's not defective, he could offer it as a sacrifice, and you have to count the year from when it's eligible to be offered as a sacrifice. But if it's a defective animal, you can't offer it as a sacrifice, then you count the year, and you have to eat, you have to eat the animal within the year, then you count it from when it's born. How could you eat it? Even if it's a Baumum, you still can't eat it from, from the day that it's born. Because till the eighth day, why can't you offer a sacrifice? Why do you have to wait till the eighth day? Because the first seven days, I don't know if the animal is a viable animal. Right. Only if it's alive, eighth, seven days, the eighth day, then I know right. it's a viable animal. It's not a viable animal. It's not a kosher sacrifice. So, so, so you're not allowed to eat it also. Because if it's a nafil, if it's not a viable animal, then the shechita does not allow you to eat it. Shechita only helps in a viable animal. So you have to wait eight days for the same reason. That you start counting, you start counting from the eighth day because it's not eligible to offer the sacrifice. It's not eligible to eat also. So I should also count from the eighth day. Sigimara says the kimle beishakolachadasha. We're talking about you know, you know when the animal got pregnant. So you know that it's a full, full, uh, full term. So you know full term. Then you know from the first moment that it's viable. So really, I'm allowed to eat it, and the slaughtering helps. I'm allowed to eat it. Therefore, you count from that day. We'll stop right here. Everyone have a good Shabbos.